Well, mixed talk from central bankers at the forum in Sintra with Jerome Powell still talking about the need to go hard. But in Europe, well, maybe the job is already being done for them with signs inflation is easing in Germany at least. But is it really? And what do we make of the sales data, the retail sales data for Australia yesterday? Not much suffering of demand going on. So how does the RBA handle that? We get job vacancies data today as well, of course. So we'll look at that. And lots of numbers coming out today. It's Thursday, the 30th of June, 2022. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, a great deal of confusion in U.S. equities right now. It's fair to say the Nasdaq finished fairly flat in the end, but the Dow is up a quarter percent. The S&P 500 is down 0.2%, but it's a bit of a topsy-turvy session with no clear direction. But there is a clear direction in Europe, and that direction is definitely down. 1.7% down for the DAX, 1% off the Eurostox 50. The FTSE 100 is down almost 0.2%. And bond yields are falling, down eight basis points for 10-year treasuries, 11 down for 10-year yields in Germany and France, 16 in Italy and down 8 for 10-year gilts in the UK. We've got another rise in the US dollar. It is up 0.6%, well over 105 on the DXY. So if we ignore the fact that it was over that a couple of weeks ago, then this would be the highest since 2002. So it really is back on the up. And the euro, a big fall down 0.7%, a, uh, the pound down a, about half a percent, the Aussie down 0.4% at 68.8 US cents now. And oil falling, WTI down 2.2%. Brent falling 2.4%, almost down to 115 now. That is despite concerns emerging about just how much spare capacity there is amongst OPEC members. So what's driving this mixed set of market readings this morning? Well, I guess the decline in yields is the main story, isn't it? Here's NAB's Gavin Friend in London. So let's kick off with what's being said uh, during the ECB forum in Portugal. We had that panel, Jerome Powell, Andrew Bailey, Christine Lagarde, uh, and it's, to me, it seemed to reinforce this idea that there is a, a, a difference in attitude uh, with Jerome Powell uh, really concerned about the inflation risks and saying he's going to go hard and a much milder approach by uh, Andrew Bailey and Christine Lagarde. Yeah, good morning, Phil. <clears throat> a day, I think, where central banks speak and some soggy U.S. economic data hasn't uh, hasn't fared too well with risk sentiment. I mean, it was always going to be dominated by this panel discussion. Uh, in Portugal. I don't think markets heard too much new. Um, panel discussions don't tend to be forums for groundbreaking news, but the overriding message, certainly from the Fed and from the Bank of England, and I guess from the ECB, was the challenge is to get inflation back down. And while there are sort of, you know, risk central banks will overdo it, um, and in the process hurt their you know, respective economies, the bigger mistake would be to fail yeah. to restore price stability. That's the central message. Well, that was definitely the message more from Jerome Powell than the others, wasn't it? Because he talked about, uh, you know, there's a risk if you've got a period of sustained inflation that expectations will become de-anchored. It seemed like the other two were sort of hinting that uh, perhaps a lot of the hard work's being done because the, obviously their economies are softer than uh, it is in the US. So Jerome, you know, Jerome Powell seemed to think if they go harder, then the US economy will be able to withstand it somehow. Yeah, I mean, he did try to talk up the positives as he's done before. You know, he talked above, he talked about coming into this, the the above 5% growth rate, the US economy, uh, the fact that households and businesses have high levels of excess savings, the strength of the US labor market, all suggesting, as he has said before, the US economy is well positioned for this. But the aim he said, is to lower growth so that supply can catch up. It's a necessary adjustment. Um, but he said the Fed's tools are fairly blunt and there will be some pain. 
those were his words and the events of the last few months you know so you know the russian invasion of ukraine the ongoing covid situation in china affecting supply have made that aim significantly more challenging with a pathway that has got much narrower and then there was this gloomy prediction from him on the global economy he said that uh, if what we're seeing is a redivision of the world into sort of competing geopolitical and economic groups and a reversal of globalization i mean that's certainly what we all think isn't it that um, debate discuss uh, that certainly sounds uh, you know like lower productivity and lower growth he said so uh, it, it, he remarked that you can see this in the sort of asia demographics a smaller workforce not expanding so this is this is the likely outcome and then in a telling remark on inflation you know asked if the last few months had kind of led to a better understanding of inflation he said uh, well, one way of saying this I, I, is i think we better understand how little we understand doesn't give you an awful lot of confidence does it but um they're still feeling their, <laughs> and these are the they're, experts they're still feeling their way a bit but the, the task is clear and you know you mentioned just now <clears throat> perhaps we we didn't hear quite as much on the hawkish side from andrew bailey and from christine lagarde i, I think that's probably fair <clears throat> but i i would stress that Bailey, again, makes the point that we can't fail. I mean, the Bank of England is now, they haven't turned much more hawkish, but they're now more attendant to signs of persistent inflation in the the UK. That is, you know, second round effects. And I think others that we read don't think there is clear evidence of that yet, but it's certainly on their radar. And then you've got the ECB, Lagarde, talking up what's going to happen it's well travelled now over the next few months, but there were earlier <clears throat> a couple of ECB speakers talking about, you know, the, the idea that 50 basis points ought to be on the table for the discussions in July, not mm. just September. So Christine Lagarde said she expected that we're not going to see that return to an era of ultra low inflation that we were in before the pandemic. She didn't actually explain why that might be, but perhaps that is getting back to this whole idea of less globalisation and therefore uh, less productivity, yep. I guess. Yep. Yeah, and Andrew Bailey did say that they might need to act forcibly uh, at the uh, the Bank of England, although, you know, he's been saying that before. There's still this expectation, isn't there, 50 basis point rise at the next meeting, but that's not till August. So uh, by then, I'm, I mean, they'll be ready for it for sure. Well, unless we see some clear evidence of second round effects, our own view remains that the Bank of England is not going to be hiking by 50 basis points at this stage. I mean, you think about average earnings, you know, average weekly earnings in the UK are running at about um, just over 4%. It's not that far away from the long run trend, really. Um, And if you look at things like service sector inflation, we strip out energy prices and some other bits like uh, VAT um, on some various areas. Yeah. He sort of made um, that. He made that point. Hospita- hospitality. So, it, well, it, it, it's just you know, it, core inflation is running at about two and a half percent. Again, closer to the ten runner. So, I think we. I think both Bailey. And it was good to hear this today from him. He's agreeing with his chief economist Hugh Pill, who says that that that, that idea that we can act forcefully if we see um, signs of second round effects is true but it's evidence-based. There's a conditionality attached to it. They do need to see that. And um, as Bailey said, you know, rate hikes are not the only option. In other words, 
it, it, it could go either way. Mm. Okay. Yeah, well, I mean, it is just being driven by energy and food, isn't it? And of course, if that's high and if that's pushing up inflation, yeah. uh, the, the the headline inflation, that means people have less money to spend on other things, uh, which brings it down. So maybe that's what they're reckoning on. Well, look, we get the final read on the UK's GDP growth today, don't we? It was 0.8% growth was the preliminary read for Q1. Uh, but now, you know, normally we go, oh, well, it's going to be the same this time. You hardly ever get any changes. But I mean, we've been seeing lots of changes lately. So if that's downgraded, uh, that'll be another argument to add that the UK is seeing softening demand by itself and maybe the Bank of England doesn't need to act so much. Yeah, I think it's becoming more of a consensus view now that um, you know, the UK is it's slowed more than people thought in Q1. It's going to slow in Q2 for various reasons, not least least government spending on healthcare sector, those kinds of things, the extra bank holiday and what have you. Um, and then you know the bank is, 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 is pretty clear in its view that we're going to be slowing to you know, recessionary type flatlining levels by the end of the year and probably the similarly through next year. And that's becoming more of a consensus view. I think what was more interesting was the US final GDP report today, which wasn't yes. really expected to, was uh, yeah, it wasn't expected yeah. to move the dial much. And from a, from a headline point of view, growth minus 1.5 Q and Q annualized was just adjusted down a tenth to minus 1.6, but it was the detail. Previously, we had thought that, um, you know, it was inventories and net exports that were dragging it down. And actually, the, the bit we want to see, which is consumption, was strong at 3.1%. That was downgraded to 1.8%. Or put another way, uh, consumption only added 1.2% to, to growth rather than 2.1%. You had some offsetting uh, better news on inventories and less of a drag uh, on uh, from inventories. And then and investment was a little bit higher. But, you know, it's that if in Q1... Um, you know, the thing that's driving the economy, consumption, is, is downgraded to that, then, you know, does that change the dial for the Fed to say, hey, things are already slowing down, um, we need to think about this again. But again, we, we've seen this, we've seen this in the latest forecast for the Fed of growth of this year of what, between 1.3 and 1.8%, ditto for next year. Mm. And, um, and and I think, again, we come back to what we just said, Chairman Powell is talking about there will be some pain along the way. So I don't think, you know, yeah, you ought to be too surprised. And there was a kind of less government spending as well. That's one way of bringing your softening your GDP. Just uh, get the government to spend less. And actually, it's interesting because uh, we also had German inflation numbers as well. They were a little bit softer uh, than expected, which could be seen as being a good sign. But a big chunk of that actually was also because of uh, government interference that they'd reduced the the tax on fuel, uh, and they had this thing where you could go. I think it was like nine euros. You could go by train just about anywhere in Germany. Uh, so that that helped uh, bring inflation down. But I think you know. I think we've covered enough about what's happening in Portugal, haven't we? Unless there's anything else we want to add. Yep. Let's uh, let, let's look at Australian retail sales yesterday. Uh, doing pretty well in May, 0.9% month on month in May, the same as April. I mean, the expectation was it was going to drop a little bit. But tell me, this is the value of sales, isn't it? So prices are going up. So the growth isn't quite as much as that would seem to indicate. Uh, Have I got that right? That's right. Yes, it's a value estimate, uh, and it does reflect clearly higher prices, volumes. Um, will not have risen to this extent um, but we've got to wait until I think it's the 3rd of August for the Q2 numbers for that um, for, for, to get the detail on that the rise was seen particularly in 
sort of cafes and restaurants, takeaway food services, yeah. food food retailers. 1.8% month on month in cafes and restaurants. Yeah. So we are still having our crashed avocado on toast. By the way, that is the best index, I reckon, as to how well the Australian economy is doing. If people aren't getting their crushed avocado on toast on a Saturday morning, there's something seriously wrong. It does suggest that there's a confidence out there, isn't it, uh, that stems from yeah. you know, that strength you're seeing in the, uh, the labour market. And to that point, we're going to get um, job vacancies um, today, <clears throat> quarterly number for May. Um, and you know, again, these should reflect a very elevated labour demand. Um, they're running at sort of something like 85% above pre-pandemic levels or around 200,000 above. Um, and, uh, you know, other anecdotal evidence suggests that um, the strength in this in this area, you know, continues for now. Yeah. Um, well, no, we surely are not going to see the same because what was it, like a 47% increase in the last quarter? I mean, these are, it's a little bit of an historic document, isn't it? Because this is, you know, going back a few months. But, it, yeah. I mean, we're not going to see, I mean, because if you look at the graph of it, it's like a hockey stick curve. I mean, to yeah. add the same level of growth would be exceptional. And mm. uh, and historic, but I mean, any growth at all is going to is going to show that there's, you know, lots more opportunities out there. And the idea that we've got tightening labour market, well, it, you know, well, it, it's tightening the labour market even more if there's more jobs are around. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. So yeah, if the yeah. labour market remains tight and the uh, crushed avocado and toast index is holding up, that certainly gives the RBA uh, something to think about next week, doesn't it? Uh, look, we uh, we also get Australian credit numbers today as well, don't we? Yeah, that's right. So these are the numbers um, for May. Um, we remember back in April, there was a pretty chunky rise in business credit. So we'd expect that to kind of moderate a little bit. Um, yeah, it was up 1.4%, I believe, uh, in April. So you'd expect that to moderate a little bit. But overall, <clears throat> still expected to, to see something like 0.5, 0.6 on the month for 8.6 or 8, 8.5, 8.6 year on year. Lots of numbers today, aren't there? We get retail sales and unemployment data for Germany, France's inflation rate, preliminary month-on-month GDP for Canada, PMIs for China, industrial production for Japan. We get the ANZ activity outlook for New Zealand. So much. But well, I guess the main thing, probably, the is the uh, core PCE for May for the United States, plus those jobless claims for the US. That's right. I think, and uh, so personal spending is, is seen you know, it's slightly weaker than it was um, in, in, in the prior month in April. So something like 0.5% on the month, 0.4 for spending, uh, income and spending. But as we know in that report, the focus is probably going to be on the core PC deflator. That's what people want to see. It looks like, um, you know, on an annual basis, that has already topped out at just north of 5% and the market's looking for something like 4.8%. So, you know, that'll be an encouraging um, number to end the it, it, not quite in the week, but getting into the back end of the week in terms of uh, inflation starting to roll over on yes. the Fed's favoured Me- method. Measure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That would be nice, wouldn't it, if we are over the worst of it and things start to subside. subside. But uh, let's not uh, jump to that conclusion just yet. Good to have you on, Gavin. Cheers, Phil. Yeah, so mixed ideas, aren't there, about where the RBA goes next? Uh, are they behind the eight ball, uh, particularly given you know the, the signs uh, that we talked about today, or do they just not have as big a job to do as the Fed has? It's going to be an interesting week next week, isn't it, as we find out. But let's not write off this week yet. We are back again tomorrow morning with another edition of The Morning Call. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. I'll see you then. Thanks for listening.